This is the Hustler Sports 30 podcast, powered by the Vanderbilt Hustler, with Justin Hershey and Bryce Smith. This week, Assistant Sports Editor Sam Curtis joins the show, and the guys interview Athletic Director Candace Story Lee regarding the return of football and her summer working on the Vandy United campaign. Welcome back into Rand Hall. It's the Hustler Sports 30 podcast. We are back this week with another episode. This week, Bryce is here again. Thanks for joining us, Bryce. But we're also welcoming in Sam Curtis to the pod. Sam is one of our assistant sports editors this year. He's a sophomore. Sam, thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on today. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, we do have a really, a really great show in store for you guys. Um, Athletic Director Candace Story Lee joined us um, just a little while ago uh, for an interview um, Candace got into some great stuff regarding NIL, regarding um, Oklahoma and Texas's move into the SEC. Uh, we covered a lot of ground, hadn't caught up with Candace uh, since early in the spring. So we did debrief uh, what was a busy summer for her, the SEC and Vanderbilt. So hope you guys enjoy that interview. We will run it now and uh, debrief in a few minutes. Now we are joined by a very special guest here on the Hustler Sports 30 podcast. Athletic Director Candace Story Lee joins Sam and I right now. Candace, thank you so much for taking a few minutes here. We're really excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the good work that you all are doing. I'm, I'm excited about it. So thanks. Awesome. Of course. So we're going to kind of run the gamut here. There's lots of stuff that have happened in the last couple months. Um, I want to start with actually um, assistant bowling coach Josie Barnes winning a U.S. <laughs> Open title. Um, just a couple of weeks ago. How much does it mean for your program to have someone who's on a coaching staff, but competing at the absolute highest level of her sport at the same time? It's hard to articulate the value of it because it's just incredible. I mean, I think you can point to her as a tangible example of, well, first, someone who is truly elite in what they do and loves their sport. But for her to have come up through our program to now be serving as an associate head coach and still be at the top of her game, literally, right? As a professional athlete, it's incredible. And I I was, I mean, I had my husband into it. We were screaming at the TV. I loved the video of the team, like when she won it and the girls just going crazy. I mean, it was beautiful. And it was beautiful to see like in our department, coaches from other sports, athletes from other sports, staff. We're just really excited for her. So there's there's still a sign outside her door that says congratulations. And you know, she won $100,000. So somebody taped up these hundred grand candy bars. <laughs> I thought it would be, it would not be well received if I asked her for a Vandy United donation. I'm thinking about <laughs> it, but it was, I'm only teasing. But uh, all jokes aside, we're really happy for her. And she deserves that. She's worked very hard. Awesome. And, and trying to kind of changing gears here. One of the huge developments over the summer was the passage of NIL mm-hmm. um, bills. How is Vanderbilt going to position itself to, to maximize the potential of its athletes? Are you guys going to look at it from a different angle as, as you has been in the past years? 
uh, and whose role is that going to be? Yeah, so, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity that NIL presents our student athletes. I think that given our platform and being in Nashville and the, you know, just the brand of Vanderbilt and how strong our student athletes are in every way, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, it's it's everyone, I, I would say, whether you're a coach or an administrator, everybody plays a role, but the responsibility for this to oversee it lives in our compliance office. And um, I, I have to brag on them for a second because I think that they've done a great job at coordinating the support that we'll provide our student athletes. And we have a working group that actually includes different stakeholders across campus. You know, I don't ever want us to forget that we have tremendous resources right here within our university that that become part of the broader support network for our student athletes. So I think it's this is long overdue. I think that is really important that we still approach opportunities like this as um, a chance to like live out our values, hold ourselves to high standards. Our student athletes are doing that with the decisions that they're making. So it's a great opportunity. I think it's really good. So again, switching gears here, switching back to football, obviously we just had week one, a tough mm -hmm. loss. Conference mm -hmm. are now going to head on the road here to Colorado State. What are you looking for out of Clark Lee in this first season? Obviously coming out of a year that's unprecedented on many levels, mm -hmm. um, and obviously the coaching change. What does success look like for you this year? Where, how will you be evaluating that team's performance? So I, I expect Clark to lead this program, right? regardless of the constraints and the conditions and the conditions as we know are the conditions you see when you're building something so he is in many ways coaching culture he's trying to set a foundation you know success to me looks like these him getting the most out of our student athletes and i am fully confident that we have the right leader I know that it's my job to make sure that he has the resources and the support that he needs. I feel like that is evident from the very top, starting with um, just even within our university, starting with Chancellor Deermeyer and our faculty and our staff. And um, I, I feel good about that. It's going to take time. So when we talk about process, you know, those are not just words. And when we talk about the importance of not taking shortcuts, those are, those are not just words. Like we need to be the type of people from an integrity standpoint that we actually live out what we say. And so I don't want something that's, that's a fly-by-night, not sustainable uh, culture. I want something that's built to last, which means that it's going to take some time. So as long as we continue taking concrete steps towards that, which I believe we are, that's what success and success in year one does not look the same as success in year four, right? We all know that there is a cumulative build to this, but we're starting at the beginning and I'm well aware of that. And speaking of the future, we have two, two teams joining the SEC, Oklahoma and Texas, and you have talked a little bit about it. You voiced your support for this over Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, can you, reiterate or just talk about why you think this is going to be so beneficial for not only the conference, but Vanderbilt in particular? Well, it's, you know, we are, and I, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's really important to me to, to state as much as I can that we're charter members of the SEC. And uh, the SEC is the best conference in the country, and we've been here since the beginning. And I think that when you look at Oklahoma and Texas, 
I understand why they want to be part of our league. And I also understand why we want them to be part of our league. You know, those are very strong brands. Those are very strong institutions. And I think that um, we want to be surrounded by the best. I mean it when I say that our position has not changed. So whether there are 14 teams in this league, 16 or more, um, our job is to make sure that we are preparing our student athletes to compete and to win and to excel at the highest level. And so it, I mean, it was always tough in this league, right? But that's part of why we want to be in this league because it's the best. So I, I, uh, I think it was at one of the Commodore launches I was at maybe in Raleigh or in Columbus. And there were no student athletes in the crowd, some incoming first year students and some alums. And I said, you know, when you think about the SEC, like we, we have, we have the best of both worlds here because the SEC is the strongest conference athletically and academically. We're basically in the SEC too. Like the, we're the academic version of the SEC. We're the best. And so if you, you know, Vanderbilt wants to be a brand that stands for excellence and that means in everything, right? That's in everything. And it's just important to me that, you know, we're able to use our platform as being in this premier conference having these amazing student athletes and coaches, we're able to use our platform to highlight what a fantastic institution this is and how athletics can be used to, to further the mission of Vanderbilt. That's an exciting opportunity, right? So to me, just got more exciting when you add um, two strong institutions like Oklahoma and Texas. Absolutely. And we'd be short-sighted if we didn't Kind of talk a little bit about Vandy United here uh, before wrapping up. Uh, obviously, you had a really interesting summer. How was how interesting was it kind of, you know, dealing with these architectural firms and obviously not something you're too versed in, neither am I, but that must have been such a unique experience and it's really kind of paving the way for this next phase. And what will this next phase look like? So you're assuming I don't have expertise in architecture. Is that what you're saying, Justin? Well, I know you're kidding. I, I don't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, I've learned a lot, continue to learn a lot. You know, I would say that the past few weeks have affirmed the fact that Populous is the best at what they do. That's our master architect whose uh, headquarters are in Kansas City. And between, I mean, I've been crisscrossing the country meeting with donors and sharing our vision and in the middle has <laughs> stopping in Kansas city and having meetings with populace. And I, I mean, I'm really excited. They were able to bring to life. Thank goodness. We're not just counting on me, right? Like they are very creative and they're innovative and they're the best at what they do. And um, they spent a lot of time with us, especially early on. And it was clear to me, it was clear along the way, but I mean, it was crystal clear when we got to Kansas city and I realized Everything that we said, they heard it and they embraced it and they understand what an incredible opportunity this is for us as a university, for our alumni, for our faculty and staff, for our student athletes and our coaches, for all of our stakeholders. It's a great opportunity. One of the best phrases I heard when I was in Kansas City, they said, listen, when this is all said and done, these buildings will be a tangible expression of your values. You will be able to look at these on TV or in person or walking down the street or driving through Nashville, and you will be able to say that is Vanderbilt and know what that stands for. And that was incredibly exciting to me. There is tons and tons and tons of work to do, but I am uh, really encouraged. We have great partners with Populous, 
And it's going to be exciting to get these shovels in the ground and get started. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, Candice. I know it's a busy time with uh, sports ramping up here, but we're glad to be back on campus and really appreciate you taking a few minutes to catch up with us. Yeah, and I appreciate you all and your work very much. So thank you, and I will see you soon. Absolutely. Candice Lee, thank you so much. Thanks once again to Candice Story Lee for joining us. Um, great to Great to speak with her. Great to catch up with her. Uh, I mean, she has a lot of vision for this program, and obviously a lot of it we haven't seen yet, and a lot uh, of Vanderbilt's fans will continue to hold her accountable until they do see shovels in the ground and, and wins in the football win column, at least. Um, but I thought that was a good interview. I thought it was interesting how she continues to speak about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC as a real value proposition for Vanderbilt. And Every time we talk to her, it seems like she mentions Vanderbilt, founding charter member of the SEC. Um, and I think that's just a huge, uh, a huge thing for Vanderbilt fans. We have more students on this campus who think Vanderbilt's going to get out, kicked out of the SEC. For such a smart school, I don't even can't you can't even comprehend that viewpoint. It'll never happen. Um, and Candace pretty much explains why by just saying we're a charter member. But Enjoyed talking with Candice. Bryce, kind of kick us off here. What were some of your thoughts from, from our conversation with Candice? Yeah, great to have Candice on, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I really liked what she said about not only the renovations that are going on, but also, like you mentioned a little bit, about why um, Vanderbilt still creates value and is, a, and is a, a core member of the SEC, I think, there was a very interesting article this week published in The Athletic by Pete Sampson, um, and in it, Barton Simmons is quoted as saying, the SEC is the only conference that is going to matter, um, and that's the recruiting cell at this point, and, and Vanderbilt, to be a part of that, is obviously going to be extremely important. Um, and I think Candace recognizes that, and she recognizes Vanderbilt's place in the historic conference that is the SEC, so that was really Awesome to hear from her. And then going a little bit more into the actual renovations, just the continued commitment um, and sort of a little bit more detail that she was able to give us on the podcast was also really interesting to hear. It's exciting that it's now sort of finally happening. This has been talked about for a really long time. Um, there's been plans for a couple of months now. I know a couple of weeks ago we got some actual um diagrams of what the renovations are going to look like on campus but as you said shovels going into the ground hopefully soon and some tangible progress that can be made on that front I think those were my biggest takeaways um, from a, a really great interview with her yeah and it's just it's so important for getting recruits for moving forward with the program to actually have progress to report versus saying we're going to do this we're going to do this for years and years versus right. actually making Vandy United happen and then hearing about stuff that they're doing with the basketball program with the football you know all of the stuff that's going on and I also think that going back to what Bryce said he hit the nail on the head you know Vanderbilt brings something else to the SEC as well she touched on the academic piece and that's going to be super important for for you know separating ourselves from everyone else because you you can't really compete with Texas set their own game you can't compete with Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU at their own game. But if you're bringing something else, if you're in Nashville, if you're an academic school, if you can provide something new with these facilities that are coming in, you can actually compete in the SEC with, you know, we've seen it obviously with Corbs. If you can build a program, you can get the recruits to come. Yeah. And I, I, go ahead, Justin. But I was just going to say, I think we've, we've seen that already. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think if you build it, they will come kind of feel a dream situation. It's very true in college athletics and especially in this situation. I think it's encouraging to hear how Candace Lee speaks so fondly of her work with uh, the architectural firm Populous. Um, obviously joked around a little bit with her about her knowledge about architecture and obviously it's not very much but it must be a really cool experience for her to go through this and like strategize the actions behind it and I think from the renderings from from the, the plans and the, and the mock-ups it seems like something that's done been being done the right way which is really encouraging and obviously got some news in the last couple weeks about uh, basketball locker rooms as well getting done um, and some tweets out there right now about uh, the back basketball pra- uh, playing surface as well. So she is getting things done. I think it's going to take time and kind of transitioning into being patient, taking time. We asked her a bit about kind of what does success look like for Clark Lee this season. And obviously coming off of a brutal loss that we'll talk about in a little bit, I think she kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what I would have expected her to say, right? She wants to see him lead this program. She understands that this is a program starting from scratch, essentially. And I think keeping those expectations from the top and being um, really consistent with those throughout the athletic department is huge. Um, and I think it's evident that right now that that viewpoint is is consistent. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll just add, it's super exciting for her to be able to to bring in a new coach and also do all these re- uh, renovations as a new ath- athletic director because you really get to kind of make make the Vanderbilt program what you want it to be um right for, for a while obviously the the facilities were were kind of stagnant and and now she gets to to shape it in her image as an athletic director not only the the facilities but also the teams and, and the staff behind it definitely and i think i guess the last kind of thing i wanted to hit on here was um our nil discussion um i think it's an area that's pretty gray still right now i think it is for a lot of college programs but certainly um, it, it doesn't seem like Vanderbilt has um, a huge body in place to really handle this situation. It's going to be murky how universities go about doing it. We've obviously witnessed um, a bunch of uh, prominent athletes here on campus um, scoring big NIL deals most recently this week with Cam Johnson um, donating uh, much of his NIL earnings as well um, to a fantastic cause. So I think that's an area that I want to continue to pay attention to. She talked about how it's going to be run through a compliance department and she kind of praised them for their work that they've done. And obviously as a former student athlete, she does want to see these kids um, kind of use their name, use their brand, use the, uh, the, you know, the skills they've built to profit. But I do think it's going to be interesting where Vanderbilt intervenes here and how much Vanderbilt helps, um, helps kids get that sort of access. It really, I mean, it really, comes down to how much they want to advertise the city of Nashville and the opportunities for NIL here. Because in terms of the SEC, there's not many programs that are in a place like Nashville where right. there's so many opportunities to, to, to advertise yourself. And that, and that also could be a huge draw for, for recruiting. And in another sense, there's not many SEC schools where campus is about 10 minutes from Hattie B's um, and other, other, big local corporations like that. I think I'm on the lookout for maybe a Mike Wright sponsorship in that area. Definitely a lot of interesting things. And I think as always with Candace, very polished, says all the right things, really enjoyable conversation. Um, it was really good to hear from her. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely waiting for waiting for Hattie B's to drop or <laughs> Hop Dotty or something like that. I don't know, around campus somewhere. But I think it does tie back even into kind of last point here into 
why Vanderbilt can still be successful in the SEC, right? I mean, even Texas and Oklahoma coming in, those are college towns mostly. Obviously, Austin is a little a little bigger, but um, most of the cities in the SEC are college towns, and that's the extent of them. So pitching that academics, pitching uh, the NIL opportunities that are going to be here, and pitching you're in the best conference in the country by a long margin, um, I understand why she's bullish on the idea of having Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. No, I mean, you can't beat someone who's so good at their own game. You can't beat Alabama at their own game. I said it earlier. I know I just said it five minutes ago, but like when you're offering something else, it, it matters a lot. And I think Vanderbilt's kind of separated itself in what it wants to be. And I think that you can see that there's a vision for the athletic program in each individual sport moving forward. Absolutely. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to have Sam back in a week or two to talk some soccer he's been covering the team quite a bit recently um and they're a little skittish right now but we'll have you back soon thanks for hopping on thanks sam thanks so much justin thanks bryce well good conversation with candace um but time to uh dive into a little bit of a different topic um we've been waiting all week for this uh to get into this football loss because um there's just far too much to talk about here. We should not have had to talk about much this week uh, regarding this football game. I mean, we, we both came into the studio last week and kind of explained that we hope that tons of guys are getting reps, tons of guys are being able to come into that second half and get opportunity. We saw Ken Seals and Mike Wright. Right. Just oh, yeah. not in okay. the way that we were expecting exactly. to. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. We, we saw plenty of both of them, for better or for worse. I mean, we can get into that off the bat. I mean... I just don't, as someone who has played sports at not a very high level, I don't know how you get into a rhythm hopping in and out like that, especially at one of the hardest positions in sports in general. I just don't think it's the best strategy. When I heard um, that Lee was going to play right, I I anticipated, you know, it's going to get choppy in that first half. He's going to give him a shot. But I really expected that at some point Seals would take over that game and make sure they won the game and then Wright would get a ton of reps. But I, I couldn't even tell you who I thought looked better. I think... They were both, you know, put in terrible positions, but I, I just didn't think it was a good strategy. So I went through the pain of rewatching the film Props to you. for an article that we just dropped. And my opinion is that Wright was a little better. And as we went over last week, I'm an inherently biased, little Mike, unbiased. Mike Wright fan. But he hurt his shoulder a little bit, so that... I will give him on, on an a couple absolute, of those. On an absolutely ridiculous sack, by the way. I mean, just oh, horrible. I could have made that sack completely. Uh, go ahead, yeah. continue. But Seals was weirdly off for most of the first half, and I completely agree with you. It was totally odd to kind of flip-flop them like that because obviously no rhythm could be gained between the two. Seals was, yeah, he was clearly just off from the start, making throws that that we hadn't really seen him try last year. Um, A lot to the outside, a lot to Will Shepard. And Wright, um, as I said, I I thought he was a little better, and and part of that is just because he gives you more in the running game. He had a couple of first downs with his legs. But I also think that who we thought was David Rye and now is Joey Lynch calling the plays for Wright was a, a tad more creative. Um, they ran a little bit more RPO type stuff, which obviously there's a better threat of right keeping it. So yeah. they were both not great, though. I, I'm not here um, advocating <laughs> strongly. Change the starter. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think that, that Joey Lynch, David Rye flip is, you know, 
I would have liked to hear that that happened like two hours before the game, and that's why the play calling was so disastrous, but it was not. Evidently, yep. it was earlier in camp. You um, didn't like cherry on top on Sunday night after uh, mourning the loss? Oh, by the way. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and real cherry on top. I was in the press box till midnight because there were technical difficulties with the Zoom presser, but it was all in all just a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, Saturday night, I think. Getting a little more analytical here and not emotional. I think it was. I think they just overcomplicated things. Uh, I mean, you talked totally about it well great. in your art article that Seals was looking for things and and right to to a lesser extent was looking for things that might not have been there and might not have been necessary. I mean, the amount of times he missed um, Patrick Smith on checkdowns or uh, Ben Bresnahan over the middle, um, that was a lot. And I think there are times where you got to challenge that sideline, and I think they do have some of the personnel to potentially do it. Uh, but I think it's more of a chemistry issue right now, this early in the year, that it just doesn't make sense. And the discouraging thing about that was there was a lot of throws that also probably should have been picked that weren't. Yeah, he had three turnovers, two picks, and then the the fumble. Inexplicable of fumble. Um, so it was honestly a little worse than it even. I mean, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, and it looked pretty bad. Right. Is where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we both just kind of agree. It was just odd from Seals, who I think his main issue last year was forcing the ball into tight windows that weren't necessarily there. Mm -hmm. But this was on a completely different level. He was not um, ever trying to make the easy throw. And I think he had a little bit of happy feet. Well, a little bit, a lot bit of, yeah. of happy feet back there. And, and I don't know if that comes from just not playing in a really long time or having to adjust in two weeks to a new offensive coordinator and, and kind of what that does to the offensive line. But it was, I mean, we've hit on it. It was, it was yeah. all around not good. Yeah, and I, I want to backtrack a little bit. I mean, we don't want to kill Ken, Seal, Ken Seals and Mike Wright because I do think it was a poorly called game. But I do think you're right about the happy feet, and that could be how comfortable do these guys feel behind this O-line. I think this exactly. O-line is going to be a big storyline the next couple of weeks, especially this week. And I'm hard-pressed to believe that Bla Coach A.J. Blazek has found his best five. Um, my hope would be that maybe guys like Dan Dawkins, Kivo Wesley, Jonathan Stewart, Junior Azebo, um, maybe they get some time in there. Um, but that was not a great showing. It wasn't a united front, I'd say. Which, I think, it, yeah. Which was our concern yes, when, we, when we mentioned concerns. We just didn't think it would manifest itself this week. In week one. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's fair. Um, not playing Amir Abdur-Rahman doesn't make much sense at all to me. I, I, I don't or, understand. Or Skinner. Yeah, no Quincy about. Skinner reps. Um, I think even late in that fourth quarter, uh, there were guys, I think Logan Kyle got some snaps. Devin Body certainly got some snaps. Not even then uh, for Quincy Skinner. So that was an interesting call. I don't know. I don't know. It, it was interesting. I, I think um, moving to the defense a little bit, Watching it back, I did watch it back myself um, for my Commodore brunch, unfortunately. Um, but watching it back, I realized the defense didn't play that badly. Um, I think they gave you the chance to win, probably. I mean, those two turnovers cost them 10, 10 points, um, and that wasn't on the defense. But you got to have more pressure, right? Zero sacks against a team like that isn't, isn't acceptable. Um, I think I expected more from uh, Elijah McAllister specifically. Watching it back, I did realize Davion Davis did create some double teams in the middle, um, but definitely need more from McAllister. Alex Williams didn't show you much. Malik Langham 
it didn't even look like Malik Langham took snaps in the first half. I could be wrong about that, but possibly something else there. I'm not sure, but no tackles for loss until 11 minutes in the second in the second half. Um, just a meh kind of performance from the defense. Right, which is fine, except for when you're playing an FCS opponent. It wasn't necessarily that the defense was having very visible errors as the offense was. It was more so um, a clear strategic decision by ETSU to try and milk clock run plays that were going to be a little bit easier to execute yeah. and just kind of bend the Vanderbilt defense, and that's exactly what they did. So it's not that the Commodores were horrible defensively. It's just that they kind of allowed themselves to be bent and allowed ETSU to run that clock off. And then I think schematically the most concerning part was the Buccaneers did hit a couple downfield throws, um, which I was not expecting. Coverage didn't really look as sharp as I was anticipating. Yeah, I just, agree. I agree. Just I, not good all around. Yeah, it was. It was. It was not sharp all around. And I think, look, we'll turn to the. We'll turn to kind of the patient side of this in a second. But I, I do agree that the down the field passing was concerning. I thought Jalen Mahoney had like a really up and down game. I thought he made a, a few really nice plays. I, I want to say that um, the tackling is visibly improved. Um, I think that's fair. I can't think of any missed tackles really. Whereas last year, I feel like every game I watched um, three, four, five missed tackles, but. Mahoney gave up a few where he was not in good position, kind of turned around um, down the sidelines. But um, Anthony Orgy and Ethan Barr both racked up quite a few sacks towards the middle. I think there weren't a ton of huge plays, and those guys were part of that. Um, but I certainly think an element of patience is necessary here. I know fans want to jump off the bandwagon and things like that. Um, and obviously, like as someone who wrote a column last week about jumping on the bandwagon, it's hard for me to say just jump off the bandwagon uh, because I do recognize the scope of this, right? I mean, 20 plus people transferred out of this program. They're three and, nine, three and 18, 19 now um, in their last 21 games. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to be optimistic here, but this isn't a team that you should expect to win four, five, six games at all. Um, I think four was maybe a relatively optimistic viewpoint. I think three should have been a lock. Um, now it's now it's a little up in the air, but regardless, this isn't a team that's going to, you know, go compete for a bowl game whatsoever. Right, and if I was excited going into week one and then stunned by the result of week one, I'm now fascinated by what happens in <laughs> week two, and I think that's the thing that you're kind of alluding to is I'm not going to sit here and say that Vanderbilt's going to make a bowl game, but I am very curious to see. I mean, Clark Lee talked about it right after. What does winning the response look like? Right. And I'm, you know, I was always kind of concerned about this Colorado State game, even before I saw the product on Saturday. So, like I said, I'm not predicting anything. I'm just very interested to see what team comes out on Saturday. It feels like it can't get here soon enough and I'm sure they feel the same way um Definitely. so we'll see if it if if it's more of the same then we kind of know what we need to know but oh geez I I imagine it can't be as bad but I also couldn't have couldn't have imagined um what unfolded last week so right yeah, I mean, 
So I'm excited. So Bryce Smith, deputy sports editor of the Vanderbilt Hustler, what does winning this? What does winning the response look like this week? Well, I don't think it's out of the question that they win this week. Yeah, you could see it. Which is, I mean, Colorado State lost to South Dakota State. South Dakota State. Um, I, I just need to figure out if that was a horrible anomaly in week one that um, everything went wrong or if they're really um, going to teeter on one win for this season. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle, but there's another version where everyone fixes um, kind of their execution and they're kind of pissed off. I think talent-wise, they're better than Colorado State. It's it's not like you're playing Georgia week two, right? Which would just confirm everything we saw in week one. It's going to be another opponent where you have the upper hand, which isn't going to happen often this season. So let's see if there's any fight in the team. I guess is, I guess I guess that would be winning the response. See if there's any fight or right. if it's just another um, lay down. And I don't think that that necessarily goes with just the players that extends to um, Joey Lynch and, and Jesse Minter. Like, what did we learn from week one? Because oh, I yeah. hope it was a lot. Oh, yeah. Should have taken to school. The ironic thing is, like, we a- exited last year and entered this week one thinking, all right, let's see a completely different team. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to see something completely different. We saw something completely different. Now I want to see something completely different again in week two. And it's just like we're in this cycle of give me something that I haven't seen before. So, And it's and it's why I despise the phrase rock bottom because mm. it can always get worse. Oh, my God. It can always get worse, especially when you're dealing with, um, you know, the program that, that we've been following the last couple of years while we've been at school here. Yep. Well, that is true. Vanderbilt will kick it off against uh, Colorado State this Saturday, 9 p.m. Uh, Colorado State did lose to South Dakota State this past week. Um, they did rack up quite a bit of offense, ran 89 plays. Um, so they will play fast in the high altitude, which will be something to watch. Um, that's that's all we got. That's all we got for now. Um, let's hope we have some more to break down next week. Uh, Vanderbilt soccer has also been struggling coming off a loss to Pepperdine, but they'll have um, Lipscomb on the road tonight, and then they'll have Um, a home game on Sunday, and we'll be back next week to break that down a little bit. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Candace Story Lee. Um, Please uh, feel free to listen, subscribe. Um, We're we're everywhere now, which is awesome. So thanks for listening to the Hustler Sports 30. We will uh, be back next week, hopefully, to talk about a Commodore victory in Fort Collins, Colorado.